These are fun, off-the-cuff discussions on movies and streaming series, both new and old. Together, we'll attempt to bridge the gap between Hollywood Industry Insider and the casual viewer. This is Alec. And I'm Ben. And you're listening to the Cinema A to B Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Cinema A to B. Alec, on the docket today, we've got Air, the Ben Affleck-directed story of uh, Nike closing the deal with old MJ here. So why don't you kick us off? So I saw this in my own home and didn't get to the theaters for it, but I'm going to say, obviously, kind of know the ending to the story. So, I mean, try not to spoil it, but if you don't know, I don't know how, but that's beside the point. It was really good. Like they paced it really well. They gave the, you know, there was tension in the scenes. The acting was outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. I mean, when you have Ben Affleck being probably the weakest link in the entire movie, like it's, that's a fantastic cast by, by, you know, by far. So other than that, I mean, shot wise, it was fine. It wasn't like, I didn't walk away thinking, oh my goodness, this is the most beautiful movie I've ever seen. But it did a great job of focusing on the characters and kind of getting you to like, feel like you're a part of the situation, feel like you're a part of being in the moment and kind of getting that energy and the pacing was really right. So this was, I did not expect high things from it, but I got, well, I walked away entertained, really enjoyed it. Definitely think it's going to get a couple of noms possibly, um, possibly like Viola Davis for best supporting actress and a couple others. Other than that, I, I really enjoyed it. Thought it was great. So we just watched this, Gwen and I did, here at the house. Uh, Amazon Prime is running it. Yeah, and I, I had a ball with it. And my big thing is, you know, this is my era of NBA basketball, or at least the f- the the front end of it. So the yeah. NBA nerd in me was when they're, you know, they're running through the draft order for the 84 draft. <laughs> and by the way, the 84 draft was sick. There, there are four, like, bonafide Hall of Famers in the 84 draft. And it was really funny, the whole hindsight 2020 thing, like looking at that draft, because you had, so you had Akeem Olajuwon, and then you had Michael Jordan in the three spot. And then mm-hmm. I think five or six was, uh, was Barkley, Charles Barkley. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you had John Stockson at like seven, like, yeah, and they're talking trash about everybody, including Stockton. They're just like, oh, yeah. who's that? Of course, you know, he's top three point guard of all time, but that that really cracked me up. I was just like, wow, you know, yeah, we we just you take it for granted how hard it is to judge talent to like who are you gonna try to close for your shoe deal? Um and yeah. and that was right in the beginning and I was I was cracking up. So style wise, I really I was pleased with it. It looked uh era appropriate. There was some nice film grain in there. I haven't bothered to mm-hmm. check to see whether they bothered to shoot film or if they added that later. They added that later. So they, so uh, what I read, I believe, is that yeah, they shot it on digital and then they printed it to film and then kind of re the old Dune method, yeah, exactly. So, but it wasn't thirty five millimeter. I think they shot it down to like sixteen or something to get that, yeah, to get that really grainy eighties feel. So, like, which totally worked. I mean, like that opening sequence of when you know Damon's at the high school basketball, like, just felt right in place. So. Yeah, you get really big film grain when you shoot uh, super sixteen millimeter, or if you print back to it. That's the beauty of that film stock. Um, that's what Band of Brothers was shot on was super sixteen, and then scanned in. And it, it adds a little bit of something. Yeah, yeah. There's and there's some um, 
Darren Aronofsky, well-known director that loves to shoot a lot of uh, Super 16 for mm-hmm. that very reason. It gives it this heavy grain, organic. You know, I really enjoyed this. I can't think that Phil Knight is real happy with this movie. I mean, <laughs> no. and like I give so much props to Ben Affleck for, for basically being the giant butt of the joke of this movie, playing yeah. Phil Knight the way he does. Mm-hmm. And, and then, but you still get that great chemistry that you're always going to get with Affleck and Damon. And yeah, it's a wonder we haven't gotten more pairings with them, but I think they've even talked about it, that it's, they've, they've meant to team up and it just hasn't happened. And it kind of got away from them when they're getting pulled into so many other things and so busy and also like they've got kids now. I mean, it's, you know, it's very different. And I think they wanted to do something special together. Um, I, my biggest joke is always going to be like, so now that Ben Affleck is directing this, is he going to harp on people following the script and making sure they're saying the lines in the script? Because he is absolutely terrible. Like everything I've read is that he constantly, he barely ever says the line straight. He's always adding, ad-libbing and adding things, making up jokes, going off on tangents and all this stuff. And like, so how is it on the other side? You know? Yeah. I so. don't know. I don't know. He's, he's an exceedingly yeah. talented director though, right? Like, there were. This is his third outing as director because he did the town and then Argo. I oh, believe, but there's beforehand. more than that because he did uh, Live by Night. <gasps> yes, okay, which didn't yeah, yeah, do yeah. well. His track record now is really good. Like it's it's firmly established that Ben Affleck's a good director, maybe even a better director than he is an actor at this point. I would completely agree. I mean, I don't want to dog on him, but I have never thought of he was an amazing actor. He's definitely a good actor. I mean, there's reasons why he's in these films, but he definitely doesn't hold a candle to Damon. Damon is just absolutely amazing. Um, it's a reason why he, you know, did the Bourne films and they rested on his shoulders and he's done so much else where he's been the main character. Now, I will tell you one guy who really did impress me or at least, sorry, he's been impressing me, but kind of felt held his own. So Jason Bateman, I love, and I've always seen him in TV shows or he's always been in movies where he's kind of one of the leading guys. He's never been like the true leading guy to head up like a serious film or, you know, something more, but he really stood toe to toe with Damon. And I kind of, was some in a lot of cases, my eyes were drawn more to Bateman than they were to Damon. And I was like, okay, somebody needs to give him his own movie and let him just sell it. You know, something serious, dramatic, you know. Yeah, I mean, he, but you know, if, if nobody's seen Ozark. Oh, he's fantastic in Ozark. Yeah, he is fantastic. And he's shown that he has more range than what Hollywood and television have been offering him. And then the, the other pleasant surprise, there's, I was just happy to see him, was Chris Tucker who was not playing himself at all, or at least wasn't the typical Chris Tucker. I was really happy to see him just act as this person. I mean, obviously there's some Tucker that comes out, uh, but it, it, it's not like fifth element. It's not like rush hour. It's not that Chris Tucker. This is a acting Chris Tucker. Who's in a slightly dramatic, but yet funny comedic role. So kind of, he bridges that gap and does a really great job. Yeah, And it. I, if to the best of my understanding, the Chris Tucker Ness that he brings in it is accurate to the real guy. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. And I think that's a lot of the reason he was cast, but his career's trajectory has been kind of interesting. And if I'm not mistaken, he's turned down a lot of roles in the past because he just didn't want to work in a bunch of stuff where 
his characters were expected to deliver a lot of uh, coarse language, just yeah. a personal preference. And so, unfortunately, we haven't seen the guy in a long time. So he's, yeah, super no. pleasant surprise. Well, supposedly what I read was that it was actually Michael Jordan who said Chris Tucker has to play. Well, then that's t- then that's like, two actors the, that he handpicked. Yes. So it's, yeah, it's two actors that he handpicked because I know the other one obviously is Viola Davis. Well, Viola Davis is effectively what got the movie made. Yeah. And by far, like when, when she comes on screen, even with Damon, like it's Viola is so much better. Like she just commands the screen. I mean, obviously some of it is the character in it. Um, the two characters based up, but like the moment she's on, I'm just like, Oh my goodness, you're fantastic. Just how you're handling yourself, everything done. You're amazing. But this character was always the one in more of a position of power. So it makes sense that you cast her, that you cast Viola. Um, now who's the, the actor? Cause I recognized him. I don't know his name that plays um, James Jordan. Okay. This Julius Tenen. Oh, and I, I've, mm-hmm. I know I've seen him on other stuff. Um, when Damon walks up to the house and he's working on the car and he turns around, I was like, Oh, what a nice casting decision. Yeah. looks like he could be Jordan's father, you know, like has a little, yeah, yeah definitely feels like that. does not feel like it, but it's bad casting at all. No, another performance that I want to single out. Cause I leaned over to Gwen. I try not to talk too much during movies, but this one was kind of, no, you're at home. Chris Messina that plays David Falk. I lean mm-hmm. over to her because yeah. one of our favorite movies to watch together is uh, Julie and Julia, where the girl cooks through <laughs> Julia Child's cookbook and Chris Messina plays yeah. the husband. And mm-hmm. dude crushed it playing Falk. Oh, absolutely. Like was, yeah. stole the scene and every, every time he's on the phone was hilarious. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of always happy-go-lucky, like kind of typecast. Yeah. So he, uh, he got to kind of flex his, uh, I don't know. He was definitely channeling like Ari gold. Newsroom. Yeah. Oh, there's definitely some, yeah, Ari there, gold was some in there. there was some Ari yeah. gold phone ranting in there. See, for me, it was, I, I really relate him to newsroom. So, oh, okay. And, uh, and enjoy that. And so this character is a little bit more in that vein. So like for me, it wasn't obviously, you know, uh, it wasn't as big of a kind of like, oh my goodness, this is against type. Cause I'm like, eh, this is kind of what you do. But I mean, still fantastic. Still like, like you said, hold, held his own laughed every time he was on screen, just the banter between him and Damon was fantastic. Now I, I did yeah. want to bring up something I've mentioned before. I think when we discussed uh, everything everywhere, all at once with mm-hmm. the minimal locations that they shot on. Mm-hmm. And this is another one. And you could tell they spent their money where they needed to, which was building out that recreation of the Nike headquarters. And you could, t- mm-hmm. I could tell that they had built it out in like heavy detail. And it was a full, I mean, a full, full set, like took up a yeah. full st- soundstage because they, there were a couple moments near the middle and then the end where they physically move around heavily in the space. Mm-hmm. And you can't see the edge of the set. It just keeps going and going and going. And I thought that was really smart because when you do that, then you don't have to be as picky with your camera shots and your camera angles. You can just kind of live in the moment and shoot it the way you want to shoot it. And this is a big, uh, I was reading an article. This is effectively what Christopher Nolan's been doing his last several movies. And there's, it's, it's how he's shooting off and shot Oppenheimer because they built Los Alamos in full detail. Mm-hmm. 
the the whole town and test bed and and it enabled him to just like almost run and gun the way that they shot it. Yeah, yeah. And you could tell with this they were able to do that with the night with everything that was at Nike. Super mm-hmm. smart. Super smart. Then you allow your actors to just play in the space. And that's what it felt like they were doing. And then yeah, they got, mm-hmm. you know, you get the the cutaways when they go to Wilmington. I'm pretty sure that was probably Georgia. I'm just guessing. I they don't. <laughs> I love North Carolina. Shout out to North Carolina folks because I know we've got some listeners from Carolina, yeah. but I wish they would have gone down to Wilmington. I don't think they did. It looked no, it looked no, like no, Atlanta, it's definitely Georgia. But yeah, it's the tax breaks are not that not anywhere near what Georgia's are. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you my my favorite choice in this movie, and this is kind of spoilery, but. Not really, but I loved the fact that you never see Jordan's face in the entire, except for like, you know, actual like games or pictures of the real Michael Jordan. But the actor who plays it, you just see basically the back of his head, maybe a profile shot at best. And I loved that. Like, cause like this story, while kind of about him is not about him. And you're never gonna, like, everyone knows what he looks like. You're not gonna get anyone who looks remotely like him. So they made a fantastic decision just to do it that way. Now I'm trying, I'll try to speak around it. Cause I, I, I'm with you. I don't want to spoil too much of this stuff for people that have yeah. not seen this movie yet. And again, I would implore you to watch it on prime um, to give it a, give it a look that speech. And I won't even say with a character that gives the speech, but the mm-hmm. speech and the intercut, all the editing. Yes. Oh, I mean, knocked it out of the park. The performance, first off, the script, the dialogue, and then the footage they cut over it, that was as emotionally a resonant moment in the whole thing. And it really, it really hit right. Like they, mm-hmm. they got it right. Like it wasn't like they overplayed their hand with that. It was paced really well. They didn't try to rush through it, but they didn't try to elongate it. They just kind of kept going and kept hitting you and kept kind of pushing this, you know, into you until finally it was just overwhelming and just kind of really broke and it was great. So, yeah. Now was it, how long was this in theaters? I don't think very long. So I know I missed it by a week or something like that. Let me see. Cause I know like it just can't, I was just curious. Yeah. Cause unfortunately this is just one of those that the previews were good, but they didn't really grab me to get me to want to pay the money to go and see it in cinemas. Well, and for most of it, I didn't have, I wasn't part of the unlimited plan anymore. So again, it was like, do I really want to spend 15 bucks to go see yeah. this in theaters when I know it's going to be in streaming in another couple of weeks? It's just changed. So. It's changed. We're, uh, you know, we've heard, you've heard both of us. We've both kind of harped on the movie theater experience. And I think these subscription models are definitely the way to go or the way to at least kind of keep theaters in. However, it also doesn't work with a lot of, you know, a lot of people, you know, especially those who have kids. Cause like for me, I can just, you know, Laura and I can just pick up and go, Hey, we're going to go see a movie tonight. And I just, head I wonder, I don't, I'm floating this. I don't think they'll ever do it, but I, with a movie like this, with the content and it not being, you know, a big tentpole action adventure fantasy movie, I just wonder if they're going to have to start tearing the pricing depending on mm-hmm. 
the genre or yeah. gauged interest or is this an $8 ticket? And then, and then and guardians then three Marvel is a film. $12 yeah. ticket. Like I don't, well, I'll take a $12. I, ticket. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> clearly I'm out of touch with movie theater ticket prices. Cause those are dirt cheap numbers, but I wonder if I, th- I think they've explored doing that tiering the pricing. Mm. Cause I think if this would have been a lower tier ticket, maybe you would have gotten more people to, to go to it. Yeah. But I think a lot of us are thinking the same way. I'm just going to watch, I'm going to watch this style of movie at home. Yeah. And as much as you and I have talked about really feel that most movies should be watched in the theater. Cause that's the format that they're kind of shot for. There's definitely movies that are more likely like you definitely need to see it in theater or you need to see it in IMAX. Whereas something like this, while definitely would benefit from being in a theater, especially if you have some type of amazing like Atmos sound, in addition to, you know, the huge screen, you're not going to lose that much by just watching it in your home theater. So, or your TV in the living room. No, I mean, we, and frankly, with the setup I have, I didn't, it didn't feel too much different than if I'd gone to a cinema and watched it. And so it was, it was a really, I had a, yeah, we had an absolute blast watching this. Um, I'll probably watch it again at some point in the not too mm-hmm. distant future. Cause it is a really fun story. I was kind of suspicious of how engaging the story really would be <laughs> when it was announced. I, I was, I was like, yeah. really? I mean, I know it was a big well, deal. We know how it ends. Well, yeah, I know it was a big yeah. deal that they landed him and, you know, there's, there's lots of wild stuff about his specific contract with Nike. Um, and I won't give that away for anybody that's not completely familiar with, uh, the story, but there is, you know, there's plenty of intrigue with the way all this went mm-hmm. down and what, and effectively what Nike was in 1984, which is a, not only were they a smaller company, they're just a vastly different company altogether as far as who they sold shoes to. Like it just, they don't even look like themselves um, today. So that was really, you know, that's, it's cool to see. As far as the shooting style, it kind of reminded me a little bit of uh, the big short, Mm -hmm. that kind of energy. I can see that. Yeah. You could tell that they were looking for creative ways to keep the energy up because it's a, it's just really a lot of people talking, right? Like it it is, (laughs) it's not, nobody's, there's no shootouts at Nike, <laughs> you know, if there's no, it's no one gets no, kidnapped. No, there's, so I thought they did a good job of like mixing up the camera angles, but it didn't feel over edited. Nice lens choices. Color grades. Great. It's you're like we said, it's got that heavy film grain on some of it to make mm. it feel eighties. And then the production design, I mean, they just went nuts. I love all those those old PCs with the... <laughs> the CRT monitors. I'm not old enough to remember, like, the orange, like, screen oh. font <laughs> on some of those PCs. Like, by the time I got one, it was still DOS, but it was, like, either white or green. And those yeah. suckers were orange yeah. at Nike HQ. Yeah, all the, all the old technologies, hysterical. And then the other thing I want to mention is... The soundtrack is like just stuffed full from the, from the time the opening credits like come up, it's just one 
early 80s hit after the other. Yeah, Laura and I almost had to stop and just kind of like go back and like listen to some of these songs as they like came back on and just were like, nope, this is a banger. This one was also a banger. Like the whole soundtrack is just like, we, we just need to make a playlist called Air Soundtrack and just listen to all of these. I've not pulled it up on Spotify yet, but I'm I'm sure it's already sure up there, there and I'm sure yeah. it's for sale too. <laughs> <laughs> they were already ahead of us with the marketing. No, it just does such a good job. I mean, it, the attention to detail, the way they did it, like you said, go back to the kind of they shot it. Like there was, it was a lot of medium shots and close up shots. So you can kind of have that you're in the mix with them. You can kind of see their interactions, their emotions a little bit better than these like wider shots. So it's definitely different from like, say one of those like fantasy shows like Game of Thrones where like they show you the big table with everyone kind of talking around and like this kind of got you much more into the mix. And it was just, I think that helped, like, like you said, kind of w- was able to see some of the tension on the different characters faces and kind of be able to like, empathize with them a little bit more sympathize with them yeah it was a lot of fun totally recommend it if you ha- haven't seen it yeah it's and it's not that long i mean it is an r-rated movie so obviously keep uh keep an eye on that yeah you're you're muff the kids because it is uh <laughs> <laughs> it, the, the language is uh substantial but it a lot of it emanates for just one or two characters it's it's kind of weird mm-hmm. like that but so going out of this i'm, I'm gonna say I'm really excited to see what Ben does next directing. Well, I think we're going to wrap up Cinema to be on yeah. uh, on air again. And go off air. Go off air. You know. Yeah. No, again, we totally, <laughs> totally encourage you to watch this if you haven't already. And uh, let us know your thoughts and see you next week. Yeah. Thanks for catching us. Thanks, everybody.